1: Friendships come and friendships go, but there are friends that stick closer than a brother. We'll find out what makes that glue hold them together next, here on Truth For Today. What is the formula to change a regular friend to a close friend? One who sticks around even when the going gets tough. Well, that's what we're looking at today in the life of David, 1 Samuel, chapter 18. It's there that we see what it means to be a close friend, a true friend. And when you need one, they're always around. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, let's catch up with Pastor Phil Howard, shall we? For today's broadcast of Truth For Today and a look at the life of David.
2: A friend sticks closer than a brother, Proverbs 18, 24 says. Here he speaks in David's defense. He's loyal to the hilt. He renews his covenant three times. He makes it several times. And he finally, chapter 23, says, I know you're going to become the king. I may die, but promise me you won't extinguish my family. And David does everything he can to spare Jonathan's family. It's loyal. It's loyal. Uh, there's something about friendship. Notice chapter 23. That friendship, when you choose to be a friend, you quit being a rival. Competition is a good thing. Men thrive on it. I think competition's wonderful. You love to be the peer. It's just fun. I've taken up golf just to learn humility because I, I never win. And so I fake that I'm sick most of the time. But uh, look in verse 15, while David was at Horus in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horus and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Listen to that. If you turn him into Saul, you can kill him off. And Jonathan, you can take the throne. Get rid of David. He's the only rival you've got to the throne. He said, no, 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 no. I recognize the hand of God in your life, David. You couldn't have killed the Goliath. You couldn't have escaped. It's obviously becoming evident by this time that both Saul and David know this man's unusual because they weren't down there at Jesse's house when he got anointed. But the prophet did tell Saul, your neighbor's going to replace you because he's got a heart after God and you don't. And so what does he do? He goes down there, it doesn't matter to me as long as you're in position. If I could just be your second in charge, if I could help in the administration, not knowing that he was going to be killed before it even started. But that was his wish. And in essence, he says, I'm going to help my rival, as it were, if I allowed it. I'm going to help you get away. I'm going to help you get to the throne. I'm out here to tell you you've got it coming. Until you quit competing and comparing with people, you can never choose to be their friend. I find jealous, envious people And proud people always thrive on comparison and competitiveness. They're always comparing what they've got to what they have, what they like to have to what they've got. You see, pride always feeds off a comparison. Satan was fine until he said, there's only one other thing I could have if I can get it, and that is to be where God is. You've always got to have somebody else in view to have pride. Pride doesn't exist where there's not at least two involved. Because you've got to think you're better than somebody. And you've got to always have a somebody in your life. And, the, and what rides with that is jealousy and envy, rivalry, competitiveness, comparisons, comparisons. But he's not a rival. He's chosen to be a friend. And so... Uh, I'll be second. I will not take advantage of your vulnerability, David. I won't tell my father where you're hiding. I won't ambush you. And then I love verse 16. A friend chooses to be an encourager. Notice what it says in verse 15. In verse 16 it says, And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. And notice what an encourager does. Don't be afraid, The best of us have moments we become paralyzed with fear and our belief and our faith shrinks up. This man's been running. This man is under the gun and he has every right to be discouraged and down. He needed somebody to come into his life and says, wait, don't forget the anointing. Don't forget that God keeps promises. Don't forget you're going to be the next king of Israel. I want to encourage, I believe it so much but I want to be second in command. You are going to beat my father Saul. He's not going to kill you. Don't abandon hope. And David did several times. He told Jonathan one time, I'm one step from death. Another time, he flees to the Philistines. And he says, your dad is going to kill me. I must flee to Gath. Even great men of God become discouraged. John in jail, sends his disciples to ask. Ask Christ, is this the one I thought he was, or is he another? Why, John, you preached on the banks of Jordan that this was the Lamb of God, but I'm in jail waiting to be beheaded. I'm in a slump. I'm discouraged. Go ask him, is this the one, or was I mistaken? A man comes from Mount Carmel named Elijah. He's just killed 400 prophets of Baal. He outruns the chariot when they come down. When you come down Mark, Mount Carmel, looking out on the plains of Megiddu, it's a pretty good little place. And just to think of the prophet, I don't know what age he was, but I tell you, when you outrun a chariot, you're doing some running. <laughs> and he runs down that hill because the rain is coming. And he says, he outruns the chariot, so he kills them all. He tells Jezebel we're going to wipe out your prophets. We're going to clean up Israel. Chapter 19. He's under a tree saying, "God, just go ahead and kill me." He's under a juniper tree. He's so discouraged. "Hi, nobody's serving you in Israel." And God says, "I've got 7,000 prophets hiding out in caves who have never bowed to Baal. You're not the only guy living for God." But he was discouraged. He needed encouragement. And David's discouraged. And a friend chooses above all other things to encourage those that God puts in their life. I love encouragers. And I love encouragement. One of the things that drives you batty working with people is the stupid, trivial stuff that they fuss about. I mean, we've got girls... Pregnant out here that don't know where they're gonna live. We got kids struck out on drugs, we got homes in trouble, we got divorces in the making, we got people at sin, and someone says, Well, the music wasn't just right. <laughs> well, you know, the building's a little hot. Well, well. We should really worry. Hey, you got drums in this church. Yeah. We've already lost families over that years ago, but it was ordained of God. This, and your services go, you kind of go long, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, we do. We pay the rent all day. We only meet once a week, all of us. Well, well my prayers, your watches will break. In a spirit of vengeance. Say stop, and you just get talking about people. Oh, you know what? Just like one of our boys went back to a school, and they were in the prayer meeting, and the prayer request some in a wealthy part of Dallas, and the woman says, "Please pray for my poodle; it has not been doing well." And here, here he came from Richmond, our area, where we pray over poodles all the time. <laughs> he said, "Pastor, I'm having a hard time adjusting to Dallas. Is that the biggest needs we've got to pray about, friend?" I want to tell you, there are discouraged people in this world. And if you'd be willing to be an encourager, you'd be amazed how good you could look to those people. But if you're always in the whine, if you're always down, if you're always dry, one man says, avoid VD people. And I said, what's that? He said, very draining. They're toxic. David doesn't need Jonathan showing up and says, Man, you ought to be in dad's army. We've been running over hills all the time. I am so tired. Damn you're tired. I'm trying to stay alive. (laughs) See, until you get over measuring life by what you get and are willing to be a giver, that's the next point. A friend is not just an encourager. They become a giver. Here, Jonathan looks David up. David's not sending emails back to Jerusalem. He's on the run. He doesn't have the king's court or the king's ear. But Jonathan makes the dangerous trip out in that desert. He's still giving to a man that's unpopular, that's being hunted, that it's not good publicity to be friends with who the king is trying to kill. But love and friendship involves giving to the other person. And you know what? David has nothing to give back. I'm sorry. David's got to wait till he becomes a king to have anything to give back. David's time to give is still ahead of him. I mean, he he has nothing to give out in that desert. Have you ever had anyone befriend you when you had nothing to repay? I was telling the first service, when Carol and I got married, we were getting ready to go back. Uh, Believe it or not, she had a Corvair and I had a VW. So we chose to take the Corvair and drive to Miami. I mean, we were zealous. Uh. Well, we were serious. To go all the way across the country, to the Corvair, well, I, I didn't check the tires. The tires were bad. I had a friend. He saw it, bought me a set of tires, did this, did that. I had no money to repay him. I used to, in the early days of my ministry, anytime anyone invited me out, I said, you do know you are picking up the tab. <laughs> I won't even I won't even I gotta go through the trick. There won't be any of this. It, <laughs> I'm not going through that. No, 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 frisk me. I don't have it right now. You sure you want me to go out? You prayed about this. Because I have nothing to throw on the table. Not even a tip. And this one preacher used to take me out all the time. And I said, someday I'll pay you back. He said, never pay me back. Pay back another preacher as poor as you're acting. Real love in his heart, you know. <laughs> you, you pass it on. Don't, don't pay me back. I mean, that's something. I, at times I've been awkward to have people that want to befriend you. It can be humbling because they're washing your feet and you, you're wanting to reciprocate But God, in his mercy to David, gave him Jonathan, the only man in all of Israel that will come to David, the next great king of Israel. One man out of all the nations steps up and says, I'm going to be loyal to you, David, to the end. I believe God's got his hand on you. I believe God's purpose for you. I believe the promises of God for you. Oh, that he could have been there on coronation day. What a friend. You know what? That's why I'm looking forward to heaven It's the people that help you. There are certain periods in your life, you'll have certain people that will have befriended you for that phase of your journey. Have you ever had that? They said, boy, we're real close. For A lot of times you go back, you were in great need, and they were just God's supply. Now, reverse that. Who are you being a friend to, to someone that's in need? And you're like, well, man, they, they, they seem to always be broke. Well, maybe that's why God put you in their life. They seem to always need encouragement. Do you have any to give? Well, they always seem to be, you know, i I've got needs too, you know. Yes, we know. <laughs> Are you strong enough to encourage anybody else? Are you always, when we're with you, <sighs> <sighs> I say, man, another evening with them, I'm to be like that guy that came to the fellow on the bridge getting ready to jump off, and he pulls over and he stops and says, get in, man, let's go talk, it can't be that bad. Drove around for an hour, and they came back. And they both jumped. <laughs> you know, you got to watch who you run with. You got to watch who you run with. We ought to be well enough to encourage somebody. You older folks, if you're bored, find some young couples to encourage. Find a gal with about eight children and not enough diapers and. Her husband wants another child. <laughs> I think you'll have a ministry. You may have a nervous breakdown, but you can minister. You can find somebody that needs you. And in giving of ourselves, we find ourselves. You'll never outdo the being a friend without God giving you friends. Because you always reap what you're willing to sow. Well, there's something about friendship. C.S. Lewis said that lovers are always looking into each other's faces, but friends are always looking to a common interest. They never talk about how great their friendship is. They always talk about how great their mutual love for whatever it is, music, the Lord. And that's why in the household of faith, it ought to be easy to make friends when we have so many common interests, a common Savior, a common destiny, a common purpose. Tell me, if we can't form friendships in this group, of all people, we should be miserable. We ought to be abounding in it because the people around us, regarding of their background, whatever we have common purposes. Common things hold us together. And if you allow anything to break that, then there's something wrong with your heart. The devil's got a foothold. Because I'm supposed to love you whether I ever try to be your friend or not. Let me ask you some questions about friendship, and then I'll just read John 15. I don't have the time. Get the first tape. I'll develop, it, uh, it's developed, so get both of them. Um, let me ask you some questions about friendship. Uh, do I use people, or do I lay down my life for them? How much sacrificial love do you show in the name of love or friendship? Do you ever hear people, I don't want to be bothered, but you won't. And neither will be you be enriched, nor will you enrich. Don't, can't you imagine, Jonathan? I can't be bothered going out and seeing a fugitive. My lands, I'm the king's son. What am I doing running after a criminal? He chose to love him and be his friend. Two, what impact am I trying to have on others? I find most people that don't think they have any friends are in neutral, sometimes can be passive, and they're not trying to have an impact. Uh, they're just um, whatever. Do people grow, get encouragement, and become like Christ through your influence? Do people get better or worse because of, being, of you being in their lives? Some friendships, so-called, need to stop. They're too discouraging. Neither person can't stand the other. They're too negative. You can't build a friendship on negative interest. That becomes a click and a gossip party. It'll drain you. You won't last. Uh, do I risk being open and honest, or do I wear a mask? Are you so private that no one gets to know you, and you keep us all in a guessing game? we got to figure you out. Do I express my love, or do I keep people guessing? If you never express your love, it's that line that I use at times, having love for someone that you never express it's like winking at your girlfriend in the dark. It doesn't do her a bit of good. You know, turn on the light so she can see, you know, the code. Uh, do I initiate the love, the good deed, the phone call, the letter, or do I always wait for others to reach out to me? Do I choose people for friends to meet my needs or to help meet their needs? Someone said if you choose to be a friend, it ought to be not to meet your needs, but it's because you're willing to meet their needs. That's what you ought to choose to be a friend for. Choose to be a friend. Leave it up to God whether he gives you a friend. How am I helping my friend realize his potential in any or every area of their life? I want to turn just to John 15 as we get ready to close and to... Sing one of my favorite songs. Thank you, Jesse, for putting it in the lineup. John 15. Maybe you've never felt anyone befriend you. I'd like to tell you about Jesus. He's a friend of sinners. Jesus befriends, and look what he does. Verse 13 Greater love has no one than this that he laid down his life for his friends. The extent of his love is that he would sacrificially die for you. Uh, The effect of his love is he'll turn you into an obedient friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. And it's interesting, this is not a condition for salvation. It's an effect of running around with Jesus. You become his friends, and when you become his friend, you find obedience to him as a way of life. Because he's become dear to you. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father. I've made known to you. You see, he's really saying, I'm going to express myself to you. I want to make myself vulnerable. I'm going to tell you what I know. Some people always guard knowledge. They just hover it because they want to stay in control. It's power when you guard knowledge many times. But Christ says, I'm going to let you men in on intimate things. Things you could never know if I wasn't your friend. I know the key to heaven. I know what they talk about in the Father's throne room. And Peter, I'm going to express it to you because I've chosen to make you a friend. And I'm going to be a friend to you. You may forsake me. I already know it. I said you would in chapter 13, but I'm going on with my sermon. He says in chapter 16, I still choose to be your friend, even though I know you're going to betray me. You'll never be the friend Jesus is willing to be to you. Then he goes on. He initiates the relationship. You did not choose me. If you don't believe God chooses people, I want you to read this a thousand times and say, I'm going to believe the Bible. You did not choose him. He chose you. He initiated that he wanted you to be his child. Why would he befriend you? You bring nothing to the table but exile and problems, and you're a fugitive from God. But he said, I choose you. Why are you choosing me? To be treated like a slave? No. I've chosen you to be fruitful. I've chosen you to bear fruit for me. I will have the influence in your life that you will achieve the divine purpose for which you were created. My life I give to make you realize all God's plans for you. And I must say, every child of God needs somebody to come into their life that's willing to initiate the relationship, willing to bear the expense of it as it were, willing to hold our hands up And all men that God has greatly used have had a circle of men like Barnabas, Timothy, Silas, that are telling the apostle, keep going to the Gentiles. We'll go with you. Though it costs you being a Pharisee, though it costs you everything, Paul, we will go. And then when he writes 2 Timothy, everybody in Asia Minor has forsaken me. But I still had the Lord stand with me in the night. I'd like to say this. If you don't think you've got a friend in life, Jesus has laid down his life to make you a friend and to prove he's your friend. And then our challenge is to learn to be mature enough to act like friends to people. It's only the outworking of the love of God.
1: Studying God's Word that we might grow in grace, that we might be encouraged in our walk and relationship with Him. And you're listening to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. As we close out our broadcast today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the program encourages you in Christ and how this program is being used by you on a daily basis. Are we just a normal part of your radio listening? Do you tap into our resources available at our website? Have you visited our church? These are things we would love to hear from you. Take a moment, call or write to us today. Our phone number is 855 833 9864. Again, you can reach us at 855 833 9864. You're also welcome to visit our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Take advantage of the resource materials I mentioned a moment ago. We have several. Again, truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also find information about Valley Bible Church right there as well, who we are, what we believe, worship times, services, and directions to the church. We'd love to have you join us, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Again, that's truthfortodayradio.org. If you're writing to us, our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And then as we conclude our time together today, we would also invite you to partner with us. This radio broadcast and the many resources that accompany it are available as you partner with us as you link arms with us financially and prayerfully. No gift is too small, no gift is too large, and you can do a one-time gift or make monthly pledges. No matter, we'd love to have you be a partner with us as we continue to minister the gospel of Christ to the Bay Area and beyond. So contact us today. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. And you can also donate online at truthfortodayradio.org. That's truthfortodayradio.org. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today.